thing. First off, I'm back. Look at this, huh? The leg, the leg action. If you're new, you're like, what is he doing? But uh, I'm just back from my shorts and my Hawaiian shirt. But I have a special guest that I want to start off our time with, and uh, it is our pastor from South Hills, Puerto Rico. Would you please uh, welcome Pastor Dolian to our stage? Come up here, though. And look at his shirt. Yeah, huh? So Dolian, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of South uh, South County, bud? Well, uh, this is. Oh, this is on. All right, there we go. Right. Yes. Uh, this is very different from what we have in Puerto Rico. Sorry for my almost English, but uh, I'm gonna try my best. Uh, so James, I told him that I was gonna I was gonna visit this campus, and he required that I was that I was supposed to wear something like this. So. so yeah. I was thinking about quitting church, <laughs> but uh, so I guess now I, I am in compliance with the dress code in here, so uh, I'm so glad to be here. Uh, I love California. I hate the trip from Puerto Rico. It's almost 12 hours. Yeah. Uh, I made a stop in New York. Uh, the flight got delayed, but I finally got here, uh, and this is, this is amazing what is happening in, in South Hills as a whole church, uh, different campus, uh, different locations with the same mindset the same intention, so uh, I'm really, really glad to be part of, of South Hills Church, and whenever you like, come visit Puerto Rico, 12 hours away, so just, uh, <laughs> you're more than welcome to visit me. Awesome. You know what, yeah. So when Dolian saw what I was wearing, he said they don't wear this in Puerto Rico. Yeah, right? uh, the first time uh, when this campus opened and I started uh, looking at pictures online, I was like, what is, what is this guy doing preaching in shorts? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's crazy because Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is very <laughs> traditional, very traditional when it comes to church. Uh, if, if I do this, I'm going to get fired the next week. So, so but... It, I know that he does it for an intention. I mean, in Puerto Rico, I dress like this, but it's uh, regarding the, the, the population that we're, yeah. that we're attending. So. Well, well, welcome. We'll get you some shorts, and then that way, next time you come, you'll have shorts and some Sperry Topsiders next time. Okay. Hey, let's hear it again for Dolian. I mean, that's really cool coming out. Do you want to just briefly talk quickly about what's been going on uh, lately in, in Puerto Rico? You've asked us for your prayers. Uh, you want to explain to our church a little bit more about that? Well, uh, there's a bunch of things going on in Puerto Rico right now since Hurricane Maria. I mean, some, uh, someone asked me about, about the recovery process. We're 100% now recovered from the hurricane. There are still, like, I could say, like 30,000 uh, houses still with blue tarps. The government is not taking care of that. Um, also, we have a mess in the government. It's not affecting our lives. I mean, my wife and I uh, or the, the citizens. But we have like a, a very big problem uh, within the government regarding corruption, uh, um, people uh, stealing money from the federal government. But uh, we're, we're doing okay. I mean, if you're worried, we're doing okay. Um, we recovered from a hurricane, uh, still praying for, for God's guidance within the, the people in the, in the government because that's the biggest problem right now. Okay. Let me, let's pray for, for Dolan here. Uh, God, thank you so much for bringing... Uh, Dolan to our to the states here to South uh, Orange County safely, uh, God. We just pray that uh, just for him and his family, God, that uh, in this community, uh, God, after going through so much with the hurricanes and now with the unrest in the government, God, we just pray for your hand of peace just to come over that entire area, God, and help 
uh, Dolian and his uh, church, his congregation, just be a light of hope and uh, for the entire community, God, that they would know uh, that this is a place that loves and this is a place that accepts and this is a place that wants to uh, you know, make their community better, God. Uh, so, God, I just pray for protection and guidance over Dolian and the, the church there and uh, what you're doing in that area. It's in your name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Okay. Now we are starting, or we're going to continue Quit Church. And again, Quit Church is not stop going to church. That's not what Quit Church is about. It's to actually relook at how we look at church and how we go to church. And is it a value of ours? Is it important? Is it something we should do? And we, are, we want to stop, to stop. And just what are we doing? Are we doing this for the right reasons? Are we doing this, you know, because uh, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're geared to do. This is what we're uh, asked to do. Uh, why, why are we going to church? What's the point? Do we go on Christmas and Easter and then kind of phone it in the rest of the time? Why are we doing this? And so this is an opportunity for us to have an honest discussion. This is also not uh, to make you feel guilty. None of these messages are about guilt. Please understand this. If you are feeling guilty, it is not from me and it is not from God because God does not give you guilt. The enemy gives you guilt to keep you in prison. God gives you grace. So if you are feeling guilty, this is not the point of this message. You're like, well, maybe I should have gone to church more, or maybe I should, you know, give more, or maybe I should, uh, you know, uh, volunteer more. It's not about guilt. We're having a conversation of why do we need to go to church and why is it important. And we're going to continue that today. Now, if you don't know this about me, I am a financial genius, okay? <laughs> I am a genius when it comes to finances. I'll give you an example here. Um, so in the, in the later 90s, uh, the new Star Wars films were coming out, episode one. So they were kind of going to the prequel Star Wars. And at the time, you could get original Star Wars action figures that were in the package. You were spending hundreds of dollars on these, hundreds of dollars on one action figure. So my buddy Brian and I said, we're going to become millionaires. We don't have a lot of money, but all the money we have, which is a couple hundred bucks, we're going to buy all the Star Wars action figures that they're re-releasing in the late 1990s. And then we're going to sell them in a couple years, and we're going to just basically retire. That's what we're going to do. And so to give you an idea of what it looked like, here's a Luke Skywalker that's been reissued. That's, we were militant about it. We went to Toys R Us, and when the, when the box came in, we opened the box so we could be the first ones to get it. And then we went to Target, and we did all these things. And I had literally a tub filled with this so that one day I would cash in and make millions. Now, this was about 22 years ago or 23 years ago. I just went on eBay this week to, to see what my investment is looking like. And do we have a picture of that? $1.99. You can get this for $1.99. I lost money, okay? It's, once was eight bucks a figure, and now you can get them as low as $1.99. This is a bad move. This is not a good idea. And a lot of times, I think a lot of us do this. We kind of, um, uh, can you take this down? I'm feeling really guilty about uh, spending money. And, like, <clears throat> we, we sometimes put money in things that don't matter. And we thought they did. They were important at the time. We thought, okay, I'm going to put money in this, and it's going to make me more money, and it's something that I really value and something that I really want to do. And we didn't get the return on the investment that we thought we were going to get. And I'm sure we've all had that time in our lives. Now, how we spend our money tells a story. It just may not be the story that you want to tell. How we spend our money tells a story. It just may not be the story we want to tell. And this has always been true. Uh, the reason uh, is that Jesus says this in Matthew 6.21. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean? In other words, your heart follows your money, and your money follows your heart. Your heart follows your money, and your money follows your heart. Now, I learned this lesson when I very first earned money. Uh, when I was a kid, about 13, my parents were getting a divorce, and, and, uh, and my dad would buy me a lot of stuff when I was visiting my dad, and my mom would buy me a lot of stuff at home. And, and to be honest, I was a spoiled kid. I was just getting whatever I wanted. And so my mom and dad, or my mom, thought it would be a good idea to spend the week with my Aunt Evelyn and Uncle Bill. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of structure there, and I thought, this is cool. They live pretty close to Newport, Balboa. It's going to be a, a fun week, you know. So when I first got there, I'm looking at my cousin because this is his parents, but when I first got there, uh, my aunt was very nurtured. James, what can I make? Is there anything you'd like to eat? Uh, you know, Uncle Bill's going to go to the store. Tell us anything you want, any snack you want, anything you want to eat. And I'm like, this is great. This is going to be easy. So I was like, sure, here's a list, and da-da-da-da. So I get in the car, and my Uncle Bill's all, come with me. So I said, okay, great. So we get in the car, and he goes, look, your aunt is babying you. That's the last thing you need to give you stuff all the time. You're going to be living in your mom's house the rest of your life. You're not going to get anything on your own. You're not going to understand what that looks like. And I'm going to help you out with that. This is not going to be a fun vacation like you thought. You're going to work. I was like, no, no, I don't do that. Um, and he's like, well, I'm going to give you a list of chores. And if you would like, you can get some extra money. He uh, uh, was uh, president of a company that they, they had a warehouse. He said, I'll bring you to the warehouse, and you can do some work in the with, there with the warehouse guys. I was like, why do I, I, go, I don't really want to do that. And he goes, it doesn't matter what you want. That's what you're going to do. And I wasn't used to people talking to me like this. So I was like, I'm going to go back to telling Auntie Evelyn you're doing this to me, and she's going to correct you. Um, so uh, I said, okay, fine, whatever, I'll play. And he goes, another thing, in this family, we go to church. I was like, I don't go to church. Church is boring, and I'm not doing it. He's like, no, you will do it. And then, so that Sunday morning, it was a Saturday, that Sunday morning, the, the blinds went open, the sun comes in, he goes, wake up, we're going to church, let's go. And I wasn't used to this structure, but deep down, I actually kind of liked it. So we go to church, I thought it was pretty cool, and, and so um, we're, we're going through the week, and I had to throw out the trash, I had to do some things, I'd do dishes, I had to help around this thing, I did, um, I worked in the warehouse for just a little bit, like a day, I kind of helped straighten out some things, and, uh, and it was actually kind of fun. At the end of the week, he said, great job, and he gave me a little envelope, and in the envelope was a $50 bill. And he said, let's go spend it, what do you want to go spend it on? I was like, hold on a second. I earned this money. I don't know if I want to go spend it. He's like, you had no problem spending your mom's money. Let's go spend it. I was like, well, uh, no, no, hold on. I don't want to go spend it. I want to hold on to it. I earned this money. I, I want to make sure it's something that I really want. And he goes, then you learned your lesson. That's what I was trying to tell you. You got it now. Now you got it. Now you understand. Don't expect people to give you things. If you want something, go out, earn it. And then, and then when you get that, then you'll understand the value of what that means. And I, and I never forgot that, that life lesson. And so I remember made sure if, it was, if I was going to give this to something, it had to be something that my heart was in it. Now, what and where you give reveals what and who you value. What and where you give reveals what and who you value. Now, maybe somebody has even asked you before, why, why do you care so much about that? Because now I'm invested. You put money in a stock, suddenly you become interested in that company. I've got money in that stock, now I'm invested. I want to see where that's going. But the better question is, what should we be invested in? The Bible says this, Proverbs 30, 13, 22. 
A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. What is that telling us? Everything you've got will eventually be gone. So where do you want it to go and what do you want it to connect you to? What do you want to connect you to? This proverb is telling us foolish people use everything they can on themselves right now and in the end they feel empty. But wise people make an advanced plan for their resources to bless and benefit others in ways that will last long after they're gone and that will echo into eternity. That's what this passage is saying. So um, I'm going to give you a quick example of this. My grandmother, uh, on my mom's side, my dad's side of the family was raucous and loud and just parties and stuff. My mom's side was very conservative, very quiet. My grandfather was all about business. If you were not going to discuss business with him, he was not interested in talking about it. It was all business. He started with nothing, and he ended up making a lot of money, doing a lot of really important things in the community. But he was all about business. My grandmother was very, very meek and very quiet. She was very reserved, and um, she, you did, she never really talked. And you would think people that are that quiet probably don't have you know, maybe a lot of friends. But we knew that on, on Sunday at certain times, she was always at church. Now, when my grandmother passed away... It was really amazing because you think, this person is so quiet. She probably doesn't know many people. I really hope some people show up to, to honor her. It was at Rose Hills, and it was a very big, Rose Hills is one of the largest cemeteries in, in the country, and it was in their big, huge hall that they had, and you couldn't even fit everybody in that room. It was poured out on the outside. My grandfather couldn't believe it. He had no idea. Because what he didn't know is that my grandmother was using all of her money to help other people. It was all about generosity for her. He would have never allowed this to happen. But she wasn't just home knitting or crocheting. She was in the business right there with him. She said, I earn this money too, but I'm going to choose to invest in people. There is a church, and I mentioned this before, there's a church in the inner city of Los Angeles that has a plaque of her name. She never would have wanted that. They did it after she had passed. But it has her name on it because she literally funded a small church to have their own building. There were people that were coming up to my grandfather. He looked absolutely shocked when they were crying, thanking him for their college education because she set up scholarships to send kids that couldn't afford college to go to college. She started churches. She sent kids to school. She helped rehabilitate people. At this, at this funeral, you had people from the community because they were a pillar of their community. You had people of their community there, and you had gangbangers there with, like, bandanas and, like, because she helped them. She used her resources, not for herself, like my grandfather would have wanted her to. But she said, no, I'm going to invest in something that matters. Something that's going to be valuable long after I'm gone. The funeral was jam-packed. Why? It was her generosity. It's her generosity. Her money told the story of her life at that funeral. And that story is Generosity. So what kind of a story is your money telling about you and what's important to you? Is it the story that you want to tell? Is it a reflection of who you want to be? Is it something that gives your life meaning, that makes you proud of, of who you are and what you did and what you had? Nobody understood this better than the early Christians of the uh, New Testament. After... Um, so after the crucifixion of Jesus and he raised from the dead, uh, the, the Jewish people were no longer bound by the rules, the Jewish laws and rules. Basically, what Jesus said is, he said, I'm going to throw out all the laws, but I want you to do. I want you to go love people. They try to trick him on that. Well, what's the greatest commandment? He's like, okay, love. Next question. 
So he says, if you want to follow me, you've got to, you've got to practice love. With, within love comes generosity. It comes that. Now, there was no law or rule anymore. It was just Jesus saying, okay, come follow me. And, that's, and, and so when they knew the early Christians, they knew them by their generosity and their love. They became more generous without all those laws, not less. Why? Because they understood how to love. Acts 2.42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What drew people to the early Christians was their generosity, not their theology. I'm going to say that again. What drew people to early Christians was their generosity and not their theology. This is true today. Friends, let's stop trying to wow people with how much Bible you know. Stop trying to say, look, I've, I've read the entire Bible twice, and I want to sit you down and tell you all of what this Bible means. They don't care if they don't think you care about them. It's just a bunch of nonsense to them. Because if you're showing uncaringness, if you're not showing generosity, if you're not showing love, who cares what you know? You're not living it out anyway, so what do I care? Now, I've seen this played out in our churches today. And we've got some great churches doing some amazing things, this one included. But you don't have to just see it at a church. You know where else you could see it? Little Caesar's Pizza. Let me give you an example because you look surprised. You can't read this, and I'm going to preface this story. This is a Little Caesars that um, they found somebody that was going through their trash to eat. And the manager or owner posted this on the window. said this, and you can't read it, so let me read it to you. To the person going through our trash for their next meal. You're a human being and worth more than a meal from a dumpster. Please come in during operating hours for a couple of slices of hot pizza and a cup of water at no charge and no questions asked. Friends, whether that manager or owner understood this or not, that is the most Christian thing you can do right there. And so a lot of times we're looking at, well, what would Jesus want? What would Jesus want? Am I going to do this? Or should our church move in this? Does, Jesus, does we want to just go love people? It's simple. And this is a great example of just, here's the deal. I just want to love you. I understand you're in a bad place, but you're a human being, and you should not be going through the trash for your next meal. That person was not interested in margins or profit margins or how much this slice of pizza is going to cost them. He wasn't worried that what if customers aren't going to want to come here because they see a homeless person eating in here. He said, that person's hungry. I'm going to go feed him. Whether that person knew it or not, it is the most Christian thing that you could do. And our church could absolutely learn from them. Absolutely. You know, in the early church, the way they gave what they had was to bless other people and tell better stories. People who thought their beliefs were crazy still had tremendous respect for them because of the selfless good they used their resources to accomplish and because of how they banded together to make their community better. People knew these early Christians not by their titles or their buildings or any other stuff. They knew them because of their generosity. Now, when you're talking about generosity, inevitably you talk about time, you talk about money. And for a lot of long time, I was very uncomfortable about talking about finances within the church. I'll be honest, very uncomfortable. Even though I was giving, uh, I've been tithing for many years, but I was always uncomfortable about it because I didn't want to come off judgmental. I didn't want to come off that the church was all about money until I realized that it's not about the money. It's about generosity. I, it's when you do that. I've never met anybody going in a bad mood, throwing their stuff down, slamming the door. What's wrong? I'm just so generous. 
I've never seen that before. Generous people I know are usually pretty, pretty good. They're pretty good. And it's about generosity. You made, you made a dollar this week and you give back, you know, uh, 10 cents. That's generous. That's awesome. If you don't have anything to give financially, then, then you can't tithe on it. People ask me, should, Pastor, should I open up a credit card to, to, to tithe? No. You don't, I'm making anything coming in. That's, that's not, No. Whatever you're bringing in, you say, I'm going to give this back because it's generosity. It's God wants me to practice that this money doesn't own me and my heart is where my treasure is, so I'm going to give back. And we aren't seeing that as much today. The early church, uh, who had so little, managed to give so much. And why do those of us with so much now seem to give so little? And it's getting worse. The average church attender in the Great Depression gave a higher percentage of their income away than the average church attender uh, today. And we've got our reasons. Number one, God knows my heart. I don't need to give my money. Well, first off, Jesus would disagree with you because that's not what scripture says. But secondly, uh, so does everyone else in society. They would disagree with you. The, 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 the student, the bank that holds our student loans knows our heart to better people. They still want their loan back. My, my mortgage lender knows that I just want to put a roof over my kid's head. They still want their mortgage on time. Society would disagree with that. In and out knows how much I love them. They still charge me for double-doubles. I don't get it. Talk to them millions of times. Come on. It's worked itself. Uh, I give my time volunteer. Number two, I give my time volunteering my tithe. That's a great idea. And you could certainly tithe your time, which is awesome. But it also took people from all the different campuses to sacrificially give for us to be here. You know, Dolian is here right now from Puerto Rico, and I'm so glad that he's here. Because he gets to see what his people gave up for us. The people from Puerto Rico will never be here to South Hill, South County. More than likely. And they don't probably have a whole lot. But they said, we're going to trust South Hills that the, when we give them the, the finances, that, that they're going to do something with it. And it's their sacrificial giving. Part of your campus has funded what we do here. We started with absolutely nothing. Everything we got was from all the other campus saying, we're going to pitch in. All the other people saying, we're going to pitch in and we're going to start something in South Orange County. So yes, we love that you tithe your time. It's awesome. But it's not a, I'll pick one or the other. Number three, I may not uh, tithe, but I give to those in need. Okay, that's it's nice. But first off, uh, I don't know a lot of people that give to charities, you know, 10% of their income every month on a, as, as a practice. Maybe if you do, that's very nice. But... But not usually, it's usually a gift here or a gift there. And this is something that we practice constantly. And secondly, giving to the needs of other places is like saying, I'll make someone else's car payment, just not my own. But you're the one driving the car, so who's supposed to pay for that? Um, number four, I've seen other churches misuse money, so I'm not going to give uh, to my church. That is a valid point, and that's one of the things that we don't like talking about finances because people have really misused that. They've bought into crazy stuff or they've used it to fund pastors' private jets and all this ridiculous nonsense. Uh, so I can get that. Uh, but we're not other churches. Okay, that's like saying, you know, I, uh, the person I'm married to is the same person that I went on a terrible date with in high school. It's not the same person. In my case, Melanie went on a terrible date with me. She still married me. So that's a rare thing. But um, that's not the, the norm. Number five, uh, I'd give if they spend money on things that I would spend my money on. That's important, I get, I get it. The important thing to believe is the decision they would make. Not all spending money are trustworthy people, even if you wouldn't make every little decision they would make. Not all spending preferences are a matter of right and wrong. 
Now, um, that we have this for a good reason too. Some people might say, like, well, you know, I, you know, I want a statue of, you know, Moses in the front of the church, so I'm going to give to that, or I want this, or I want a bell, or something like that. You just, you, we're, you're trusting our church to to do what we need to do to further the kingdom. That's what we're all here about. Now, the other thing is, is that if you ever want to know, like, hey, where is I'm being generous with South Hills? I am. I'm being generous, but where is that going? What are you doing with it? You want to see our budget? I've shown members our budget. I've got nothing to hide. There is absolutely nothing to hide. You can see every line item what we spend it on, but it's nothing to hide here. So I want to make sure that you know you have access to that. So here's the big question. Is your money making life better for anybody but you? The more we invest, the more invested we feel. Again, I'm not talking about the biggest money givers. I'm talking about the heart of generosity, the heart of of giving. Now, where does this start? How early is too early to start thinking about this? So, again, we're not talking about money. We're talking about generosity. And part of generosity, there's part of that. But there's so much more than that. The other day, uh, I wouldn't say this because she's not I'm going to say this because she's not here. If she was here, I would not say this. But um, we have twins, Piper and Phoebe. Uh, Piper is very gregarious now going. She, she's probably giving a lesson back there on the table, you know, giving a... But Phoebe is very uh, reserved. She's kind of quiet unless she knows you, and then she's really outgoing. But she's very perceptive. She, she doesn't talk as much as Piper, but she's constantly watching and seeing and, and seeing how things are going. So the other day, I went to go pick up the girls from school, and her teacher said, uh, James, I'd like for you to work on this project with Phoebe. And I said, why? She goes, well, she's really the only kid that didn't complete this project. Uh, there was a project on Johnny Appleseed, and there was about three or four pages to it, but she only did one page. So she spent all of her time on that one page, and I didn't really understand why. So I, I said, okay, sure, sure, absolutely. So I came home, and I said, Phoebe, how come you spent all your time on just one page? I don't understand. And she says, well, it meant a lot to me, and I was just thinking a lot about it. And I said, I don't understand. Is this like, a, is this like the, the nativity? It looks like a star on top. I go, what's the star on top? There it is. And she said, oh, that's not a star, Daddy. That's Del Taco. <laughs> and so I said, okay, um, what, what is that? I don't understand what that means. And she said, she told a story. Now, some of you might have heard this story, but one day Melanie and the girls and I were, in, uh, were on our way to the beach, and we stopped at Del Taco. And there was a lady there, and she had a, a blanket, and she was very paranoid that nobody touched the blanket. Nobody touched the blanket. So we didn't. We were kind of backed away. We couldn't understand what was going on. So when she came back, she says, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry I'm doing this, but um, I, I, you don't understand. I lived in my car, and my car was just stolen. So I went to the Goodwill, and it's the only thing I could afford. So we offered her a meal. She said, no, thank you. I've, I've got a meal already. And um, she says, but I don't have anything else. This is all I've got. So she started talking to the girls, and they were talking to her. And um, the girls go, um, my mommy's a teacher. She goes, oh, that's very nice. And uh, she goes, my daddy's a pastor. And she looked at me, and she started getting teary. She said, it's God wanted us to see each other today. And I said, would you like me to pray with you? And she says, I would love that. She starts crying. So I grab her hands right there. And Phoebe drew a picture of what she feels is all, what it's all about. And that is generosity, and that's what it looked like. Johnny Appleseed was generous. And she said, well, what does that tell you? She's, she figured, I go to generosity, and that's what it looked like. And so that picture is us praying with Lucy. That's me, that's Lucy, and that's Piper and Phoebe. 
And Piper said, oh, daddy, there's more. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, we have to find her. And I'm like, I don't know where Lucy is, hon. I don't know where, where she went. Well, we have to find her because we have to give her her money. And I'm thinking, you took her money? <laughs> and they said, oh, no, daddy, we've been saving all of our money from tooth fairies and stuff. That's their bank account. Every money that they get from losing a tooth or whatever, uh, that's, their, that's their treasured ones. That's their half dollars. That's the big ones. They are putting it in their little purse because they are looking for Lucy to give her that money. That's what generosity looks like. They're not saying, I'm saving this for a toy. I'm saving this for this. I'm saving this for that. I'm saving it to give it to this lady that has nothing. Where do you get that at seven years old? I'd love to take credit. Melanie and I would love to take credit for that. Say, well, we taught them everything they know. So I asked them, and I asked them if it's okay to share it. And they said, yes. I said, I said where, where did you get this idea? And Piper said, church. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? You see, they, were, went, they went to about eight different churches in about a year. They wanted so badly to get connected. They wanted so badly to be a part of it. And every time that we go home, they always say, wow, Daddy, look at more people are coming to our church. More people are putting things away. Whether you know it or not, you are influencing these kids into thinking that's what you're supposed to do. It's by your generosity your giving, your time, your putting carpet squares away. These kids see what you do. You putting things in the truck, loading things up, financially supporting so we could actually have church. They see all of that. And that is what they see. And they said, that's what it's all about. Um... Thank you. Thank you. Because when we started this, Melanie and I had nothing. We had no members. We had no idea what was going to happen. We had offers from other churches to go other places for guaranteed salaries and bigger offices. I don't even have an office, which is great. <laughs> we had no idea what was going to happen. And every Sunday, I look out and I see your faces. This is family. Thank you for investing in this family. And thank you for being an amazing example to my family. And I love you very much. Um, I can't go on anymore because I'll just break. So I'm going to say uh, thank you and, uh, and let's pray. <clears throat> Father... I just thank you so much for this church family, God, that understands what it looks like to just be so generous with their time, their finances, with their gifts, with their talents, with their abilities. Father God, we understand that this is why you put your church here, so that we would not have a one-man show, but we would all collectively as one family do this together. Father, every single person that's here, you want them to be here. Every single person here is contributing to this church family. Every person here is man part about all of this is teaching other people. Father, the humbling part about all of this is it's just the beginning. It's literally just the beginning. 
when I see all the women going to the women's events, when I see all the people that are signing up to serve, when I see the people that are giving to our church so generously, this is just the beginning. God, we do this for you. It's all about you. And we thank you in advance for, for what you do for us, God. Father, I, I never want to ever end my time without giving an opportunity for someone who doesn't know you to know you. So, Jesus, I just pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that they can follow this prayer. And that is, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart today. Make me a new person. And today I want to know that you are my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. Thank you for giving me an eternal home in heaven. And so the best way I know how I am accepting you, Jesus is my personal Savior. Father, if there's anybody that said that for the first time, it's so exciting. And I know this heaven is celebrating. And I thank you so much again for, for this opportunity to be here with this church family. It's in your name. Amen. Uh, thank you, Pastor James, for uh, reading.